Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the uh, the colder weather again. I'm a cold weather person, so... And I'm enjoying Old Glory's roster being public and available and confirmed. You know, I, I like what Old Glory has done, and other teams have done that. Other MLR clubs have released their full roster. I think the New England Free Jacks have done it. I think RFCLA. And yes, we've seen and we know they were doing it one at a time, but I like the idea, and I, I we were texting offline about this, like, okay, put the whole roster out there so we can see it in one graphic before the season starts. And yes, I know there's some changes and we're going to get to that in a second there, but AKP, you shared some idea with me the other day about should, should MLR require each MLR, MLR club to release their full roster before the season starts, even though we know there are going to be changes to it. Oh, absolutely. I would, I mean, it's one of those that like when your training camp starts, you everyone who's at that training camp should just be announced like i there's a lot of things that i wish the mlr required of teams in terms of communication but it's so easy to just say look you got to put out a, a roster at the the starter training camp because there have been situations there's some players on teams around the mlr where you know some sleuthing of the the photos of the the training camps reveals players on those teams who haven't been announced yet. And so they've sort of undermined their own announcement by posting pictures of the players at camp. And it's, it's silly. Well, like why, especially, you know, these guys are under contract. You got the time. Just, just announce that they're, they're signed. And yeah, like you say, there's always some changes. There's always some guys who come in last minute or, you know, guys who like, they haven't figured out the, the visas yet and stuff like that but that's fine we can all understand that when there are a couple of changes before a season but why not just have the bulk of the the roster announced yeah and and given how maybe accommodating i don't know if that's the right word but mlr fans because we're so excited that there is professional rugby we've been willing to go along with the topsy-turvy nature of what's happened over the last six seven eight years right so and I bring this up because we've got a new franchise. Yes, we know the name, Anthem Rugby Carolina. Everyone's calling them Anthem. We still don't know really who's officially on the team. We don't really know officially who the head coach and the coaching staff, even though we've gotten reports and we pretty much know who it is, right? But it just nothing officially has gone out yet. So as you said, other folks like Brian Ray, for example, and the other folks, if you go on Reddit, are sleuthing, trying to figure out who is actually on the roster and getting bits and pieces here and there. And yes, I'm sure we're going to have uh, an official announcement here soon about who actually is on the Anthem roster. But then, yeah, you... you you know, you're requiring fans to sleuth around and try and figure out and piece together a, a roster. And in fact, I think it was, um, maybe it was Brian Ray from America's Rugby News who, who uh, identified that there's a fly half on Dallas who was in some training camp pictures and hadn't been announced yet. And I don't think Dallas had officially announced him yet, and I don't think they have. Um, so again... Let's get the rosters out there. We know there's going to be changes. We're going to talk about some of the additions to Old Glory here in just a moment. But put the rosters out there. Let's see them all, you know? Yeah, what's absolutely. The, what's the downside? 
And Anthem's the one team that gets something of a pass. This, sure. That whole team has come together incredibly quickly, and it makes sense to me that they they don't necessarily have just announcing the roster to the public as their top priority, but, but everyone else. I mean, come on, Dallas. You've had all offseason. <laughs> right. I know. It's not no the intentions on them now. Now that the Dallas Cowboys have crapped out of the playoffs yet again, thank you very much. That's a couple of weeks old, but anytime I can get a dig at the Dallas Cowboys, I will do it, even if it's completely unrelated, which this was. So let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> let's talk about the five players that were added to the greater training squad, and this came out just before Old Glory DC shared the graphic of their 2024 roster. So AKP. What do we know about these five players that Old Glory DC added? Let's talk about them first, and then we can talk about how we think they're going to contribute. Are they going to have an impact, or are they just filling out numbers here? What do you think? So let's start with a a couple of the players who have actually been signed to Old Glory in the past. They're, They're actually returning players. Palema Roberts was a center drafted in 2022. No. Drafted in 2021, sorry. And then was technically on the roster in 2022, but he got injured in a preseason game, never saw the field, and and by all accounts seemed to have, have sort of moved away from rugby. But I think he was just still recovering from, from that injury. So he is, is finally back. It's cool to see him get like a, another a second chance at this and not have that, that injury be career-ending. And then you've got Simi Moala, who is actually on the team 2021, 2022, and then he went to Houston in 2023 and then is, is now back here. He's never a player that we've used a whole ton, but he did get a few caps in 2021 and 2022, just towards the end of the season as as a replacement, mostly on the wing, but he's he's really a center properly. And then... We've got a a few. We've got one more old glory associated player, or a couple more. Uh, Declan O'Loughlin, who is has played for Young Glory, another center, and hooker Tristan Cole, who has also played for Young Glory. I think both of those guys have also played for Rocky Gorge, so they're they're sort of local guys um, getting getting a call up into the senior squad even if it's it's in a training capacity and then an interesting name is bill whiteside who's a former new york iron workers lock he was drafted in 2022 i think and so he was was on the table with the collapse of that team and so i think he's he's just come over to us as as sort of an option there now um Something you you asked about, like whether these players are going to contribute a lot, and something that I would note is that although Old Glory has never specifically called out players who are on the training squad, they have had training contracts in the past, and players who were sort of announced as part of the squad, but really they were they were they were training squad players, and they really didn't see a whole lot of time. I'd expect if there if any of these guys really pops off and looks great in training then yeah they'll probably get a chance or if there are injuries I mean you know we've got a pretty slim roster this year so 
a couple of key injuries we might be calling on these guys but i wouldn't i, I wouldn't expect them to see the the field otherwise i think yeah <clears throat> Yeah, Bill Whiteside is is one I want to bring up here because I'm s- kind of surprised you noted younger player Locke from New York. Kind of surprised he slipped through the dispersal draft. You know the New York Toronto dispersal draft, and then also the you know, the uh, Anthem expansion draft. Uh, unless I missed something there, but it seemed like no team put a claim on him. So I just wonder what what that's all about. Um, but yeah, we'll, you know, see, throw him, throw him in there, more competition. Roberts, to me, I'm kind of excited to see his name pop back up again. As you mentioned, he was drafted in 2021 to play in 2022. I think he had a knee injury, right? In one of the preseason games, the final preseason yeah. game in the 2022 season. I'm almost certain he is a life, uh, from life university, fly half fullback wing type player. And in fact, I've seen him out and about. Shout out DC Touch Rugby, a group that plays uh, Touch on the Mall, and they get a bunch of like big names. A number of Oak Glory DC players have played there. I've seen a number of Premier set, Premier Rugby Sevens men's and women's players out there playing Touch. So he's been out there playing and running around. And I've seen Ben Seema out there too. Another Oak Glory DC uh, connection there. Uh, so Roberts, I've seen him running around, and he they feature him pretty often on their on their Instagram account, but good to see his name back. Would love to see if he can try and crack on, and it seems like he's moving pretty around, pr- moving around pretty well, so hopefully he's behind uh, that injury. So, you know, we'll see there. And <laughs> more, more bodies for training camp. Injuries are going to happen. Some guys with some MLR experience, others with, I think, the USA Hawks, as well so um yeah good to see and like you said we'll see what happens you know injuries happen but um yeah. nice nice additions to the squad there yeah it's, it's actually quite a promising little little group of players there and you know hopefully they'll all get their chance at, at the big time at the big time <laughs> well speaking of the big time you know, as we mentioned, Old Glory DC also put out a graphic that had their 2024 roster. And I want to break this down a little bit more because there's a, still a couple of positions here that maybe we're a little soft on numbers. And of course, that graphic doesn't include those five additional players. But And there's a couple of players on there that we know have left the squad for whatever reason, maybe moving on with rugby or trying something else out, or maybe they're on the anthem. We're not exactly 100% certain, but we can certainly put things together here. Let's take a look at this this graphic that Old Glory DC put out. And the first thing that I noticed here, and, and others have pointed out, um, speaking of the lock position, and maybe this is why Bill Whiteside got picked up, but Logan Widener, who... Uh, kind of that young player, U.S. eligible, I'm almost certain, Canadian, but has U.S. eligibility. He was announced by Oglory a couple of months ago. He's not on this roster. It seems like he's getting loaned out to the Anthem, but it's not 100% certain yet. That's one player where it's one of those where it's like, dang, been nice to have him on the roster, but kudos to Anthem if they can develop him and get him playing time. So that was one one thing that stood out in my mind uh, when I saw this. But AKP, looking across 
the positions there. Is there one still that makes you a little bit nervous where you feel like we don't quite have the numbers you would like? Yeah, I mean, it's prop. I mean, there were five props in that announcement. And when you think about the fact that four of them have to be on the field at any one time, that's an insanely small number. Like, I would be happier with, like, eight props personally, but, you know, (laughs) at least six. You know, it's like you you need... There's got to be someone, if someone, you know, if a tight head prop gets injured, then who are we putting on the bench? Because we've got to have someone on the bench. By the laws of rugby, there has to be a player, a front row player on the bench for for each of the front row positions. And we've got no one. And that that's just wild to me. Like, I don't get it at all. I I can only imagine that there's maybe some player in the in the pipeline or they're just hoping and it's, I don't know, that, that seems crazy to me. Everywhere else, you can, you can make things happen. Like, you know, center's a little light, but you can, you can always pull someone over, and, you know, they've got, for some reason, John Powers labeled as the center, even though I don't think that, I think they meant to put um, Shabazz there, Ishmael Shabazz, who's, like, played some center. (laughs) But, Either way, you you can move players around. You can always find someone to fill in at center. It's not that big a deal. It's it's a little bit of a big deal, but it's not that big a deal. But front yeah. row, those are those are you either have the qualified front rowers or you don't. And right now, <laughs> you know, a couple of injuries and we're playing every single front rower that we have on the roster, and that's that's just <laughs> well. Okay, pay. Let's look at this real quick. Week one. Who is who are you penciling in? Penciling in as your week one starters at loose head prop, hooker, and tight head prop. I mean, it's got to be Ascaro at, at loose head prop. Absolutely. I mean, I think Joe Rafter looks promising. I think, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll he'll really fight Jack Ascaro for that position. But my guess is it, it's Ascaro. I, I it could be. Facundo Gaddis uh, at hooker. He's sort of the oldest, most experienced one, but uh, Martin Vaca, which I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I think so, yeah. He, Martin, Martin, you know, yeah. young, really promising hooker. I mean, he could, if he really shows up in tra- training camp, I, I think we could see him starting there. And I really don't know about, about tight head because you've got... Kevin Brow and you've got Tyler Rowland. And you know, Kevin Brow his he could be he could be decent. I mean, he's played for a national team, but not a national team you've you've heard of or ever seen play. And Who? he's got the I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the African countries. Um, and so he's you know, maybe he's decent. I don't know. I never really don't know anything about him. And then Tyler Rowland, you know, he was fine for Toronto, but he wasn't, it wasn't popping off the pages. Like, you know, this guy's the next great thing. So I guess it depends on which one impresses in camp, who's going to be there, but it really raises a lot of questions. I'm really not sure how the front row is going to turn out. Jack Scar is going to be great. And I've decent confidence in, in Joe Rafter being decent and like beyond that who knows okay so the the front row is making you a little bit nervous I think I think we've identified and and if you want a deeper dive on this 
uh, AKP, quick segue here. Glorious Rugby, your website is back up. Looks like you're contributing articles, articles again. It looks like you've really broken down this 2024 Old Glory DC roster with a lot more explanation on position. So, folks, if you're listening, go check out the Glorious Rugby website. Is the URL still the same? Uh, yes, it should be by the time the listeners of this are going. We'll, inc- we'll going include there. it in the show notes so that you can take a look at it uh, as well. So we're still a little front row, a little nervous about, but um, <laughs> again, <laughs> we'll see how things go. Um, guys staying healthy, that's certainly key. If you look at the lock position here, AKP, what excites you about the lock position and or, or do you have some concerns here as well with the four players listed right now considering there's probably you know obviously five with with, with white side but yeah i mean looking at lock in some ways it's concerning that there are there are so few domestic players there i mean you look at it tevita nangali i mean that's the thing the players who are there great rob yeah. harley should be fantastic ignacio dotti we've seen him in mlr and he's great and Tavita Nangali has been here for years and has been yeah. fantastic. But the fact that there's only one domestic player means that we're going to have to use our... And it's and it's a guy that we... You know, he's, he's straight out of the draft, Charlie Overton, I think. And so it, it just raises the question of, like, how many foreign player spots are we going to be using there? Or are we going to be dragging Colin Gross back over to, to cover that spot again? And... I think there's enough options. There's enough back rowers, too, who can play lock, like Colin Gross. And, you know, Lautaro Bavaro did a decent job last year when we we had to call him in for, like, a game to play at lock. But it does concern me that there's not not a lot of domestic options there. Yeah, it's it's a good point to bring up, and I I think you're 100% right. I do think there is some roster position flexibility built in for some coverage in the event something like that happens. So certainly something to be made aware of because as we all know, you know, those those um those match day selections around domestic versus the foreign player slots that can get tricky. And we've we saw some stuff last year where particularly at the beginning of the season with William Talataena who did not play the first two games of last year, which was I thought a big surprise to me. I don't know if it was an injury thing or if it was just you know, what we talked about, about the match day 23, but certainly stuff that Simon Cross and the coaching staff are going to have to take into consideration there. And I think you're right, Colin Gross sliding over to lock is coverage, but probably ideally a player we want in the back row. So <laughs> let's move to the back row because the back row is a little crowded. And we've talked about this before. I would say it's probably, I mean, look at these names on this list. I mean, they jump out at you. It's probably the strongest positions, flanker, eight-man, just in terms of the quality of players. And we've talked about this in the past here, but AKP, how are all these guys getting on the field? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I mean, it will help if they do move Colin Gross to the lock to cover that. But, I mean, there's, there's three back row positions and there's there's i mean you look at this there's six solid players who could could play in in the back row at at any time i mean you know you have bavaro you have gross you also have jama you have Corey daniel who coming back from injury but you know he has been explosive Mm -hmm. the tackle leader in the mlr one year 
you know, Nico Jones also coming back, fantastic player. And you've got and then you've got Brady Daniel, who I don't know how much time he'll see, and Dakota Worth, who I thought was is actually a pretty good player and, and really hasn't seen a whole lot of time for old glory despite you know, because he's returning. He played for old glory for a couple of years and then well, he played for many years because he was from the original like exhibition season squad and then left to go to Chicago. So it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do because there's, but I also am not concerned because back row, like they'll figure it out. And if you need to rest someone or you just need domestic options there, you can do that and no drop off in talent. And, I, and partly it'll defend it. Yeah. Partly it'll depend on, what Simon Cross wants to do and who fits his game style because, you know, you could have someone like Corey Daniel, but Corey Daniel's skills, like ball handling skills, aren't aren't quite as good as his, his defensive and tackling skills. And so maybe, you know, if you're going to play sort of wide open running rugby, maybe he's not the best player to go for. Or maybe you're, we're going to focus on defense and he's going to be the absolute star of the show. So you just don't know who's going to, fit in but i love having the options yeah that's i i agree i think the the flexibility and the the situational game to game uh, strategy behind how best to defend and attack a team here right and i think that's maybe what i'm most excited to to see this year the evolution of this squad and how the players or how this roster has been constructed is that you know to your point do to get some of these guys on the field just because we need them on the field, do you put Bavaro at lock just so he can get on the field and play more, right? If you're if you've got Daniel say and Nico Jones on the flank, and then you've got you know Jam at eight, I, I don't know. And but I, I'm I'm intrigued by just the possibilities and the options that um, the coaching staff has week to week, and get a large you know we keep saying this. I feel like we're you know, saying the same thing over again, largely dependent upon how healthy guys are. And, and knowing again, knowing again that at the end of that season, the MLR season there as Old Glory DC, you know, solidifies their playoff push or their spot, we've got that funky little, I shouldn't say funky, but it's 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 a weird ending to the schedule with the break with the men's Eagles camp in those, that July window, right? So I'm sure they're keeping their eye on that concerning the number of men's Eagles that we have on Old Glory's roster but i mean i'm looking at those names on this list man and and i would put that those back row up against some of the best back rows and 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 an mlr and and other fans can contest it all they want and that's why we talk about it but i mean those are some quality names on there you can't deny that absolutely looking at number nine one of my old positions we've got some good depth here um, and exciting options, both you know, veterans to younger players, guys coming over from the American Raptors, AKP, break down the all-important number nine position. And do you have to be annoying to play number nine? Do you just have to be really like talkative and annoying? Is that just is that in the DNA of every scrum half whoever plays rugby? Is that just a requirement? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's an exam, isn't it? You have to go and uh, sit for two hours and just heckle a referee at the front of the room. And actually, they switch it out. The different different sizes of people. You got to heckle the small people. Got to heckle the gigantic dudes who are looking at you threateningly. Pretty sure. Pretty sure that's a thing. 
to get certified as a scrum half, but <laughs> obviously Danny Tusatala coming back. He's the, the real star of the show. He's been the star of this team since the beginning and likely to get most of the minutes going forward. I mean, it's just the way it's been every year as he gets 80, 90% of the scrum half minutes and barely comes off the field. We have significantly changed out who's behind him this year. I mean, Gardy LeBon was there last year, and so was John Lefevre. And John Lefevre has gone to Colorado and actually just switched out with Ethan McVeigh, who comes from Colorado and and is a is backup at Scrum Half, and uh, Connor Buckley, who is from New York, and we picked him up after the collapse of that team. Another promising young scrum half so i don't really know which of those two is going to be the sort of go-to backup option but i think they both have a chance it's going to be a matter of who proves themselves i mean i think connor buckley has more mlr experience he's he actually played quite a bit in new york and has really proven himself to be a good mlr level scrum half so i think he i probably him as as the number Hmm. two but I was going to go the other way. I was, yeah, I was, 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 because, and um, if you just look at the body of work from last year, right? Connor Buckley, you mentioned he did play a lot last year, and I think that's because the other Connor in New York at the time, Connor McManus, was injured for a good stretch, kind of the the middle part of the season where Buckley was the number one option. So great for him, right? Ton of experience there, playing in New York, intrigued by. Ethan McVeigh because, you know, the Raptors played in Super Rugby Americas last year and they're doing it again this year. And that's a that's a quality competition. Traveling down there and, you know, playing the professional sides of, you know, Uruguay and, you know, some of the, the Argentina sides that um, I think the competition was was good there. And I think both those leagues are are pretty comparable. But I think you're right, I think there there will be a good battle for the number two minutes there. Um, between those two to, to spell out uh, Danny with, again, the hopes that Danny, not that we want him to come off the field necessarily, but if he can maintain his 100% intensity, and again, he's an Ironman, right? Like, he's played in every single game, has started every game except for one, Houston, last year. If we can have him as fresh in week one, you know, all the way to the end of the season in the playoffs, that's what we'd like. So if that means that Danny, and we've talked about this before, if Danny plays five, ten minutes less than he normally would, I'm okay if that means we can have a longer run uh, for the Shield and we keep him fresh because we know this is such a, a, a brutally tough sport. So it'll be interesting to see how that number two battle shakes out. Uh, for the number nine and maybe it is just comes down to a yelling competition whoever can yell the loudest maybe that's the <laughs> final yeah <laughs> that's the final uh, decision maker there but all right moving on fly half this is a fun bunch some new names coming yeah. back some 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 names uh a couple of names that have left akp your thoughts on the number 10 jersey so, yeah, Tito Diaz Bonilla, who played most of the minutes in in 2023, but was sort of passed up by Graydon Bowd by the end of the year. He's left, and in leftover, you still have Graydon Bowd, who's staying with the team. You have Mike Weir, who barely got any time last year, but he's a young, developing prospect. So maybe he'll get more time this year. 
maybe not, but he's not really in the running to be the, the starter. But coming back is Jason Robertson, who was the scrum half in 2020 and 2021, and really represented a, a great era of of scrum ha- or of fly half play at Old Glory. We we had difficulty replacing him, and so whether he starts or Grady starts, I think it's going to be a, a close battle because what we saw last year was that. Originally, we started with Tito as the starter, and he was the the sort of go-to, and that's because you know, he has all sorts of you know top fourteen and premiership, and you know really these high-end league experiences. But then it turned out to be Graydon Bowd, who this was his his first time on a fully professional team, and and he really just happened to fit the team better. His skill set was better fit for the way Old Glory was playing in the 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 sort of things the team needed from the fly half position but is that going to be true this year as well it's it's sort of hard to say and so we'll i think it it could be either of them that Mm -hmm. that starts and it could be either of them that sort of takes that position going forward i think it's probably a closer battle this time than it was last year because we know how good grady is and can be and so it'll be I think it'll be really which one fits the team better, which one, you know, whose skill set does the team really, really need in that position? Because they're both good and mm-hmm. they both can do it, but it's it's just going to be, you know, which one fits better. Yeah, I think um, both are great kickers, right? I think both are pretty good off the the tee, so they're they're going to be kicking for points, kicking penalties. Both, <clears throat> and let me know if I'm wrong on this. Both, I think, are pretty good at you know distributors right controlling the game that way finding the, the the good pass moving the ball along what we saw last year oftentimes we saw Grady and Tito both on the field but Tito was going back to to fullback i don't think we're going to see that this year obviously Tito's not on the squad but i don't think we're going to see our fly half rotating with with fullback because I think as we talk about with the back three in a second I think we've had a massive upgrade in the back three compared to last year more size more just better fit so I'm excited to see you know our our fly halves actually just like sticking with with fly half so you got to think Robertson's probably penciled in to be the starter but we'll see in training camp who who wins out that that battle but Hey, if we can get close to the form that we had Robertson a couple of years ago when he was last with Old Glory, I mean, he was leading the league in scoring. And yes, that was a COVID shortened year when they got off to that hot start um, the last season with with Old Glory. But he was playing well. So if we can return to that form, that would be dynamite uh, for for Old Glory. So excited to see where we're going to happen there. And hey, it's good to see that again that Old Glory you know picked up Mike Ware again and again. Maybe a little surprised that the Anthem didn't try and put claims on him. And again, we don't know this. Maybe they did. But, you know, it seemed like the Anthem would be an ideal landing spot for someone like Mike to try and play more. But we don't know what happened there. could be um, real quick story going back to when when Mike Rear was drafted. It seemed like New England wanted to to draft him. But he had a consulting gig lined up in D.C., that he really wanted to work in. And this is a story that I heard from uh, the New England Free Jacks fan podcast, the Free Jacks. Allegedly, New England said, you know what, we respect the fact that Mike you know, has a, has a career 
you know, after college and this consulting job is something that's important to him. I guess didn't draft Mike so that, not that Oglory could draft him, but gave them, I guess, the opportunity to do it or, or whatever. I could have that story wrong, but that's the gist of what I got. So maybe some of that was in play there as well. So, yeah. Fly half excited for that. Moving on. Center position. AKP, can you play center? <laughs> they might need me to. Because it looks like we might need you, man. Talk to us about what's going on at the center position there. I mean, there's some good names there, obviously. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the the two starters are fantastic. I mean, Willie T has been just a dynamite center for for Old Glory the last couple of years. And then you've got Tommaso Boni coming straight in off of, you know, sort of came out of nowhere into the USA setup and just was instantly locked in as the starter at, at center. And so you've got two great options there but the problem is who who else is there and you know like we've said you know shabazz will probably play a little bit of center if they need him to or he certainly might go on the the bench as as sort of wing slash center cover because he can he can play both but it's it's a really shallow position i i would have been happy with about four centers i think that's or maybe three if you've got someone who, who can clearly cover. But we don't have that. <laughs> we have two, and then a third who can probably cover. And there are more on the training squad. I mean, you've got Simi Moala and Palema Roberts and Declan Alachlan. But, like, it's... But they're probably not going to play. And there's a reason they're on the training squad and not the main squad. And it's because the coaches probably don't want to put them in the game if they don't have to. And so... It does make me a little uncomfortable. It'll be great. When everyone is healthy, the center position is going to be a major area of strength for Old Glory. And when everyone is not healthy, it's it could be a big problem. Mm-hmm. Tommaso, is he 12 and Willie T 13? Or how do you think that's shaking out? Or does that's it a matter? good question. Yeah. In, in some ways, they both are more 12s than they are 13s. Cause, but I, I do think you'll probably see... Talataina at the the 13 yeah I think he's he's got a bit more of the the running and distribution to play 13 but I think we could see them switch up too it could be the sort of experiment and see what works and that's another reason that I would wish there were more centers is is center pairings are are sort of finicky they're not clear-cut you know you'd think you just find two good centers and stick them on the field but it's never that that clear and you have to get two centers that that suit each other and suit the fly half because there's in that in that moment where the fly half passes to the centers that's there's very little time before the defense reaches them and so that center has to either be able to distribute or smash through the line and if they're going to distribute then they have to be distributing to someone who can distribute or smash through the line and you have to how players play there the specific combination is is sort of vital to how the rest of the attack works if you've got the wrong combination there it could it could really set back the whole back line and and make things really difficult and so it makes me nervous having only two options there really i would i would love for there to be another at least one more player so that we could we could experiment and and see who works best together. Yeah, and I like how you brought up the attack. And for, for my side, look, I love running rugby. Like, let's let's score points. Let's let's make this fun and exciting. Let's play like the Utah Warriors. But at the same time, as we, we noticed the last two years, 
even though there was an improvement on their defense last year, oh, glory, that's still a, a challenge for them. And I think that's, you know, Simon Cross, he was a defense coach um, in, in Italy, if I have that c- correct. Um, how are these players going to fit in defensively with, with the scheme? And we certainly, there were a couple of games last year where, oh, glory, D.C., their their wings got picked on a little bit, either because of, there was a size difference or some, some issues, you know, covering the high ball here. So... That could probably be a good segue over now to the the back three. And if you look at the back three, if you look at just the graphic, I mean, there's <clears throat> there's some depth there. And there's also some still decent, some pretty high-quality players that have come in. And I think this was an area that they've tried to address here. But AKP, if you're looking at the back three right now, what are your thoughts going into this season are you excited about it? Are you still a little nervous about it? Or are you taking a wait-and-see approach? I think I'm pretty optimistic about the back three. You've got, like you say, some great players coming in. You've got a lot of sort of late 20s wingers and fullbacks from Europe who are, are sort of in the prime of their careers in a lot of ways. Maybe just a step too slow for, for the top leagues in, in Europe, but really really top quality players and and coming in with a lot of experience and like you say about getting picked on under the high ball and and covering old glory last year really left a lot of work to the wingers they they bunched up a little on defense and that left the the wingers sort of open to cover quite a bit of space these guys should be able to do that much better covering that space and and handling because wing is is sort of a deceptively complicated position. It, it looks simple. You're just the guy on the end who smashes it through. But there's a lot of subtlety and a lot of figuring out where you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be covering and how you approach defense can make a difference. Who you leave for your centers to get, who you you target, how you like play play the play your cards so that you don't let anyone through. It's it's actually a surprisingly difficult and complicated position. And my hope is that by bringing this experience in, you're really going to see an improvement in Old Glory's back three play. And even though you're losing quite a lot of of talent out of the back three, I mean, you think about Kurt Baker is retiring, Junior Sows is gone, and he's, he's back to playing rugby league, and, and Penny Lasanga no longer playing for us. All three great players, but I'm I'm actually I think we might still be improving the back three, and I that's that's exciting to see. I agree. I think we've got more complete wingers who who offer more than maybe just a. And I I don't want to say the two players you mentioned were one dimensional, but Junior Sal very much a rugby league. Give me the ball, I'm gonna smash it right at you, right? And like fun to watch when he was running over guys and I wouldn't necessarily rule him out returning to Old Glory DC we've seen it in the past where he's come back mid-season maybe that's there's still a possibility there you know we'll see um but I don't you know how he wasn't he wasn't jumping for the high ball right like that wasn't his 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 game and Penny Lasanga loved him right because fast shifty player could can make a miss and he could take it to the house um which was great but if our attacking scheme has changed up a little bit, and you know, I, as you said, you know, defensively we bunched up a little bit, put a lot of pressure on the wings to come up and make that tackle, and if they weren't, we were getting abused there a little bit. And I think we saw that a little bit. And again, again, I liked Penny Lasang, a great player. Uh, so I think we've brought more 
complete rounded players in, in the back three. One player that I think I'm probably most excited about because I'm looking at the roster and I'm like, okay, who's our who's our game breaker, right? Who's someone who can, you know, step in, so to speak, to Penny Lasanga's shoes and, and break one and go? Axel Mueller. Mueller. I always struggle to say his name. Sorry, Axel. I'm going to call you Axel Rose, right? Like Guns N' Roses, the front man. Puma Sevens player who I believe is, there's a possibility he may be U.S. eligible down the line or something. They're going to try and figure that out. Uh, World Rugby's giving us a lot of help these days, so maybe we'll get that one in. Um, I th- I'm i really excited to see him on the field for a Major League Rugby game. I think he's got that game breaker in him coming from the Sevens. Great player. I'm excited to see what you know he is going to bring to the 15s. That's probably the guy in the back three I'm most excited about. Another player that I think, again, we talked about this before, but uh, our boy, Mikey D, chicken. Again, another player who's, you know, got bit by that injury bug there a little bit. Again, we talked last episode. I've seen videos and pictures on him. He's looking good. Looks like he's moving around pretty well. Looks like maybe he has a little more muscle on him. So if, if we're looking at the back three and we're looking at all the players, I guess, does this mean that Chicken is going to be playing fullback primarily? Because, yeah, I guess he does have some flexibility to move to fly half if need be. But I guess maybe I'm operating under assumption that, you know, Chicken is going to be a fullback. Yeah, that's my assumption too. And, I mean, okay. So first of all, we're probably not going to need him at fly half. We have two options there, and one of them's domestic. And, you know, one of them gets injured, you got the other one. I don't think we're going to... You know, when we saw Dabulis take over at fly half, it was because we only had Jason Robertson, and we needed someone to play that position. I don't think we'll have that issue now. Also, Dabulis specifically, I mean, he's been one of those people saw him at fly half he did pretty well and so everyone's talking about him as like you know maybe he'll be the next potential fly half for the usa why why isn't old glory playing him at fly half but actually i managed i got a chance to talk to him last year before the season started and i asked him you know straight up i was like okay are you a a fly half or a fullback and of course he gave the diplomatic like i'll play wherever the team needs me but i was like no on the inside are you a fullback who plays fly half or are you a fly half who can play fullback and he he said a fullback who can play fly half so i think his plan is to stay at fullback okay that's good to know getting the inside stuff from akp entrenched in the old glory dc camp there at st james (laughs) so that's right now that's the old glory dc 2024 roster going into to week one we're still a couple of weeks away um akp i think you got one more point before we move on yeah i just wanted to bring up this there's there's a a couple of charts i have in my my article that specifically deal with the age distribution and there's a couple of things that i think are interesting here for the sort of the squad overall if you look at the the age distribution based on like who's leaving and who's who's coming we're losing everyone who's over the age of 33 mm. so there's a, a bunch of of players who seven players who all would have been 34 or older at the start of the season and they're all they're all leaving and the oldest one is Apinakatini at like 38 but 
but we've really we've really cut off sort of the top and it makes rob harley at 33 the oldest player on the team and danny tusatella at 32 is one of the oldest players on the team which is it's just crazy we've really cut down on the the sort of really the older veteran players and then we've also sort of carved out the middle of the the squad the sort of 25 26 age range is sort of gone down a bit and we're really focusing the the majority of the squad in the sort of 27 to 32 age range that's sort of the prime years of a rugby player really when you think about it and then we also have a, a contingent of younger like you 25 players and when you look at the distribution based on domestic versus foreign a lot of the foreign players all but one of the foreign players is is 28 or older they're almost all in that and most of them are in that that sort of 28 to 30 range that that like those prime years of we i which i think says that what we want from our foreign players is to be veterans but also to be really high performing veterans you know still in the their their prime and and really able to deliver at a high level and martin vaca is the only one who doesn't he's 22 he's the only one who's not in that range and then you look at the domestic players they're almost all 28 or younger and we have a big core of domestic players like 26 27 28 and those are all guys who when you think about it they're going to be in their in their prime in that sort of 29 30 maybe 31 age range at the 2027 world cup they're all players who who like if they could play in the next world cup and they would be in sort of prime age and then you look at all these players who are 24 or younger that we have on the roster. I mean, we've got nine domestic players who are 24 or younger, and plus another three on that training squad. And they're all guys who, they're going to be in their prime for the 2031 World Cup. They'll be in that, that again, that sort of 29, 30, right at the end of their late 20s, early 30s, for the, for the, the home World Cup in 2031. And so I think as far as like domestic talent and trying to encourage domestic talent and get ready for those world cups, old glory's roster is actually sort of perfectly laid out from a, an age distribution perspective. I mean, I love hearing that. And that's an awesome breakdown. Again, we'll share the URL in the show notes so you can take a deeper dive into it, but I'm hearing youth, but experience, right? Guys, guys in their prime and, um, uh, a movement to uh, the, f- the fact that the oldest player in the squad is 33 and that Danny Tusatala is still only 32. <laughs> One boggles my mind. <laughs> yeah. Makes me feel old. I don't even, I'm not even going to get into this. Yeah. Um, my age, but um, I would have to imagine that that was by design. Um, yeah. You know, how they're putting the, the roster together and, yeah, I love hearing it. You know, to me, it tells me that Simon Cross has, you know, he's not just going to stick around and have one good season and bounce out. It sounds like he's building something for the long term, which you would think, yeah, obviously. But um, got to be encouraging news if you're an Old Glory DC fans to hear just the age breakdown and the the focus or... Yeah, the focus on on, yeah. on players with who are younger because again, this is such a brutal sport. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, I'm 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 very optimistic about this roster. 
You heard that here first, folks. AKP, optimistic about the roster. Okay, a couple other things. I want to move on real quick. There's a couple things I want to hit on. Quick fire, MLR news. Um, last week, MLR and the U.S. United States Rugby Players Association, they entered into a, or they signed a voluntary recognition agreement. I don't think I have that correct. Yeah, maybe it is. Essentially, USRPA, yeah. who's the um, the uh, representative for the U.S. men's and women's national 15s and 7s programs, are going to be the representative body for MLR players. And essentially that means the, the player vote's not going to happen now because MLR has recognized USRPA to rep MLR players. Hey, KP, your thoughts on that real quick. Is it a big move? Is it a a positive sign for the league, just something that needs to happen given what we've seen in, in other leagues with players associations, things like that. Yeah. MLR was going to be forced to recognize USRPA. And so they did it voluntarily before that, that happened. I think it's, it's just a matter of PR and it's good that it's finally happened. I think it's important for there to be player representation at the top levels of MLR and to, to help smooth over some of the issues that have come up in the past I am surprised it took MLR this long. I don't know why they waited for all of this bad press to get out before they decided to do the right thing. But I'm glad that that USRPA is recognized now and we can we can move on from that storyline. Yeah, I, I don't think the timing is... I think the timing was, pl- was planned. It was, okay, MLR, we got a couple of... I shouldn't say bad news, but... You know, some fans were negative about, you know, how teams left and then the rollout of L.A. and then the Anthem thing that I I don't see any I haven't seen anyone on social or on MLR Reddit who have disagreed with, you know, MLR and USRPA coming together. So maybe it's just a little bit of goodwill that MLR bought ahead of the season. So kudos to that. No need to comment on that further. I do want to comment, though, on what's going on with uh, Anthem Rugby Carolina. Obviously, the team is set up to make sure that, or to ensure that more domestic players see more playing time. And there's been a loan between the San Diego Legion and Anthem. So I'm going to try and summarize this. San Diego drafted James River in the first round. They haven't traded him to Anthem, but they've loaned him for one season, the 2024 season, in exchange for some salary cap considerations. But San Diego is also receiving an international player slot from the Anthem. And a lot of people are like, wait a second, like, I get it, the Anthem need to put out a competitive roster here, but... MLR clubs across the league are going to say, hey, wait a second here. Anthem's got these international slots that they don't necessarily are going to use. (laughs) Clubs are saying, hey, could this be an opportunity for us to get a a coveted spot to try to add a piece here? What do you think of all this, AKP, with the Anthem having international player slots that they can either choose to use or not use, but then also trade? You know, make sense of this for me. Yeah, it's a good question, and there's whether it aligns with their mission to trade these foreign player slots, because obviously if they give San Diego another foreign player slot, that's another domestic player who won't be playing in San Diego. You know, the Whereas if they just kept it then and not used it, then that would have been one more domestic player in the league overall. 
at the end of the day, I don't think it makes a big enough difference. They can trade four, f- up to four of their foreign player slots, and you know, even if they trade all of those, the the impact that Anthem is going to have on the domestic scene is already going to be massive. And even if they try to weigh these these foreign player slots, so I I really don't think it matters too much in the grand scheme of things. Ultimately, we've heard from people inside the league that the number of foreign player slots is likely to go down over time anyway, potentially even starting next year, that you'll get reductions from the current 10 per team to to maybe 8 or or lower. And I think, I think that's the approach to take in the long term. Right now, I mean, having looked at the number of US eligible players in MLR, in general, the good ones are getting plenty of time, plenty of quality minutes, and yeah, there's something, there's like 250 or something US eligible players playing in MLR. It's a massive number. At that point, you know, if you just adding an anthem to give a few of those who maybe need more of a shot, need more playing time to, to get it, I really think, you know, MLR is in a good place on domestic development already. I don't think it matters too much whether these spots are tradable and it'll it'll all work itself out and you know this is a long running experiment hopefully and and the reductions will come and things will change and uh, yeah i don't know that it matters yeah i, I agree and my only other take on this is um you know i think eventually right the mlr and world rugby want some other operators to come in and take over the franchise and they're probably going to those owners are probably the operators probably want to make sure that there are some foreign player slots already and that they don't have to be like gifted them when that take up that you know, taking over the team happens at some point so yeah all the clubs should have the foreign player slots let it let it be even how anthem runs their team is how they do it we know their purpose it seems like as you said they're going to have they're already going to be making an impact when it comes to domestic talent that i I think this is a nothing burger for the most part but it's just fun to bring up um yeah moving on here two quick things one uh mlr has a new match day ball it's gilbert rugby everyone i think is familiar tossed around a a gilbert rugby ball but what i think is interesting about this is that there's going to be um a sport tech company, Sportable, which has been in the rugby scene for a little bit. There's some type of tracking device that's going to be placed in the ball that's going to provide real-time insights on data, on like speed and meters gained and all that stuff. Love to see how that's going to be implemented um, across the league. Are we going to see graphics and information in real time for for broadcasts? I don't know. Um selfishly is you know how are they going to share that information you know is it going to be additive to the league i don't know but it's just kind of cool and fancy i will say that someone was joking around it's uh how's the nfl you know this massive multi-billion dollar league is still using you know the chain gang to measure down in distance and here you've got this sport yep. rugby the cousin over here with more tech in their equipment than the nfl but anyway um so yeah Moving on on that, last thing I want to bring up here, AKP. Oh, sorry, two things. One, Rugby World Cup, the 2023 Rugby World Cup, was the most viewed rugby event of all time. What do you think of that? That's great. I mean, you <laughs> want to see it growing. Number go up is good. Yeah, number go up is good. We'll see if it continues to increase when it's in Australia in 2027 because 
if you look at just the the time difference, right, um, for viewership here in the U.S., that's going to be a little bit trickier, right? Those those matches are going to not necessarily be the best time if you're here watching in the U.S. So something to be aware of, right? Because again, we're going to be hosting in 31 and 33 men's and women, so something to keep track of there. Uh, last thing here, uh, just on the international front for our friends. Uh, the USA Women's Eagles Pack 4 fixtures have come out. They're going to be hosting Canada, going to New Zealand, and then going to Australia. What's important about all of this is that the top three finishers in the Pack 4 will advance to will compete in the WXV1. The fourth place team will compete in the WXV2. US and Australia have another thing to play for in that Canada and New Zealand have already secured their spot for the Rugby World Cup 2025. So the next best finisher here, either Australia or U.S., has a chance to secure their um, spot in the Rugby World Cup being played in England. USA and Australia, that's always been a fun rivalry. They've gone back and forth the last few years. Uh, the newest women's Eagles head coach, uh, Sione Fuko Fuka, came from the Wallaroos to add a little bit intrigue to all of this that is shaking out but the u.s is going to be hosting canada i believe it's going to be saturday april 27th tbd on the location but if you listen back to an interview from rfc la owner on a rugby wrap-up episode not too long ago he had mentioned a possible double header so i but that was before this, the schedule changed a little bit with the addition of anthem um so if i had a guess I would say that game is going to take place in L.A. as a doubleheader, a part of RFC L.A. So that'd be pretty cool. But, yeah. Thoughts yeah. On, any, on any or all of that? Well, there is just one thing to note. It's been mentioned on Twitter, pointed out that the this Pac-4 series is happening right as as playoffs in the the women's premiership in, in England, where a ton of the Canadian and U.S. talent plays yeah. is going on. So it's that could potentially stir some things up you'd hate to see the u.s under understocked with talent because of of that scheduling conflict it just seems unnecessary too for world rugby to to do that but hopefully the the teams in the uk are are flexible yeah and you bring up a really good point not not the not the best timing you know you would think World Rugby would have seen that and looked across the the calendar and seen what's going on there. So if you're if you're the USA Women's Eagles, you probably look at okay, all right, you've got Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Um, how do you how do you approach this three these three matches and do you basically try and go all in to 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 beat Australia? So what? So you finished top three depending on point differential so you can secure your spot in the wxv1 and then secure your spot at the rugby world cup 2025 i'm we're probably too far away for them to consider but I, I i gotta imagine that's probably going into how they're going to approach the pack four there because of the fact that you know some players may not be available because of you know professional leagues taking place so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there, but you, you would think there'd be some better coordination between all these these competitions. Absolutely, yeah. 
All right, AKP, closing segment here. This is when I ask you a question that you are not prepared for. And if you listened all the way through last week's episode, you noticed that I got a little week ahead of myself. (laughs) I was talking about things to look forward to. And I was like, yeah, you can watch the Six Nations this weekend. And obviously, the Six Nations are taking place this weekend. Uh, (laughs) Oops, I'm excited. A little ahead of myself. So, AKP, Six Nations opener, Friday, France versus Ireland. France, I think, is favored by three points at the moment as of this recording. Who do you like to win that match, France or Ireland? It's a bit of a spicy matchup, given that they were both tipped so heavily to do well in the World Cup, and then both, you know, really fell flat as soon as got to the knockout stages. I think... I think... France is a team more ruled by their emotions and so I think it'll be France that decides the winner of this if the French are feeling dejected and and let down then they they they, you know Ireland could cruise to a win but if if France is feeling fired up I think I think you know as is the French way they could take on anyone in the world and so I I really think it's it's down to France if I had to give a guess I'll say I'll say Ireland but I'm not confident yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of up in the air. And, you know, a lot of these squads coming off the Rugby World Cup cycle, missing players. France has their, you know, all-world scrum half playing sevens to try and crack on for the Olympics there. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to go with Ireland. Um, we'll see. But excited because, again, this is kind of wide open. Who, who knows? Maybe Scotland takes it. Maybe Wales takes it. Yeah. Italy. Italy may not get the wooden spoon. I don't know. I'd like to think not, but yeah. Yeah. All right. It's It'll be a good one. Yeah. Last plug here. Washington, D.C. Youth Rugby 20th anniversary celebration Friday, February 2nd. I will be going to it. AKP, I think you're going to be going to it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there of... there are tickets yeah. available. There are tickets available. And if you I want to purchase ticket a ticket... Yet. Well, I tell you what, go to WashingtonDCYouthRugby.com and you can find tickets for the celebration. Uh, I'm sure there are tickets available. There will be some old Glory DC players in attendance. Again, all of it supports a 100% nonprofit free program for kids across Washington, D.C. So for my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, I am John Spack. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you right back here next week. Bye.